chanting. The Sangha is invited to come back to our dreaming so that our collective energy of mindfulness will bring us together going as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, chant as one body, listen as one body, and transcend the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating ourselves from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, Thursday, the 14th of June, 2012. We are in the still water meditation hall of Upper Hamlet. This is uh, the 14th day of our 21-day retreat. When you breathe in with the sound of the bell, We might breathe in in such a way that joy is possible during the time of breathing in. And it is possible. The in-breath may last uh, three or four seconds, but if we, if we know how to breathe in properly, we can generate the energy of joy. And when we breathe out, we can generate the energy of happiness. Because joy and happiness are possible with the practice. The same thing is true when you walk. Every step can bring peace, joy, and happiness. And as a good practitioner, we should be able to do so and to set an, an example for other people who are new to the practice. During the first week of our retreat, we were given instructions as how to sit, how to breathe, how to walk, so that we can generate energy of peace and happiness and joy. And uh, you don't have to repeat every day the teaching. <coughs> but once we have received the teaching, we have to apply to our daily life. Because a good practitioner is able to generate the energy of peace and joy and happiness. A good practitioner is capable of uh, handling a feeling of pain, a painful emotion. And uh, every time uh, there is a pain in us, we know how to take care of that pain. And if we notice that there is pain in another person, we might like to help him or her to handle the pain in him or in her. If that person is not strong enough in his practice to handle the pain, that we practice as a community. Uh, breathing in, I feel uh, joy. That is not uh, auto-suggestion. This is a practice. There is a way that while breathing in, you can generate the energy of joy. And we have learned how. 
And we know that uh, the energy that can bring joy is the energy of happy uh, of uh, mindfulness, concentration, and insight. Look at this uh, logo of Plum Village. You see smurti, which means uh, mindfulness, on your left. Samadhi in the middle, which is uh, concentration. And prasnya on the right, it means uh, insight. And that is the three kinds of energies that we generate during the practice. And with these uh, three uh, uh, energies, you can easily bring joy and peace into your daily uh, life, every moment. And if together we practice like that, we will generate a collective energy of peace and joy and uh, happiness that can help uh, transform everyone in the Sangha. So breathing in, I feel joy is not uh, a wishful, is not wishful thinking, is not auto-suggestion, but that is a practice. And it is possible for us to breathe in in such a way that we can generate joy. And the energy we use to do it is uh, mindfulness. When you breathe in, you bring your attention on your in-breath, and you focus your attention only on your in-breath, and you release everything else. You release the past, you release the future, you release your projects. You are free. That's by breathing in, you are free. So breathing in sets you free. If uh, you breathe mindfully, because at that moment you are only your in-breath. You are not your sorrow, your fear, your regret. You are only your in-breath. And if you focus your attention on your in-breath, samadhi, you find out very quickly that you are a living uh, reality. You are alive. You are present in the here and the now. You are sitting on this beautiful planet Earth. You are walking on this beautiful planet Earth. And around you is the sunshine, the trees, the blue sky, and things like that. So mindfulness and concentration put you in touch with the wonders of life. And you cherish, you, uh, you uh, treasure, you see the value of these things. You know that uh, to be alive is really a miracle. And that is why breathing in, you can feel joyful. That is not uh, auto-suggestion. That is not wishful thinking. The joy is the effect brought to you by mindfulness and concentration and insight. Breathing in, you touch the fact that you are alive. 
but your lungs are still healthy. You can breathe in freely, and that is already inside. Uh, there are people who breathe in but do not know that they are breathing in. They do not know that they are alive. They do not know that there are wonders of life in themselves and around them. So there is no insight. But you who breathe mindfully, focusing on your in-breath, you know that you are alive, that life is a miracle, that you are living that miracle in the here and the now. So that is insight already. You don't have to practice eight years in order to have some insight. A few seconds of mindfulness and concentration can already bring you some insight. And it is these three, three kinds of uh, energies that can fabricate joy and happiness. Breathing in, I feel joy. That is not auto-suggestion. That is a fact. And that joy nourishes you and nourishes all of us. I'm breathing out, I feel happy, happiness. When we sit, we can enjoy our breathing and we can enjoy our sitting. To sit peacefully, upright, relaxingly, to be fully present in the here and now is something very beautiful. It's a pleasure. So, Joy while breathing. Happiness while sitting. In Vietnamese, would say, he, he thở, lạc, khi ngồi. So while, while breathing in, you can use the word he, he thở. I feel joy while I am breathing. And when you breathe out, uh, when you breathe out, you can say, I feel happy while I am sitting. Joy while sitting, while breathing. Happiness while sitting. And you just use these, uh, these uh, words in order to guide you. And every, every in-breath can bring joy, and every in-breath, out-breath, can bring happiness. And when you walk, you just sense and walk a word. 
you sense ngồi into uh, walk uh, đi yeah. walking joy while breathing happiness while walking joy while breathing happiness while walking and this is possible so from your your room your tent to the meditation hall you enjoy every every step and when we see you walking like that we know that you are an example for all of us because you are capable of generating joy and happiness with every step. That is the training. That is the practice. Because we need joy and happiness and peace in order to to nourish us and to help us transform the suffering in us. So that when there is a pain and sorrow and fear, we have enough uh, energy of peace, of happiness, of joy, of mindfulness in order to handle the energy of fear, of anger, of pain in us. So the two kinds of uh, practice go together. How to generate peace and joy and happiness and how to handle a pain. And our time here is to do that. Not just to sit and uh, tell each other of our suffering and allow the suffering to overwhelm us. That's not the way we conduct a Dharma discussion. In a Dharma discussion, the, the energy, the collective energy of mindfulness should be strong. And again, when one person uh, show her suffering and ask the whole Sangha to recognize and embrace her suffering. Everyone should be able to use mindfulness concentration in order to help the concerned person to embrace uh, her suffering. And uh, if we do that, uh, there will be transformation and healing, not only in that person, but in us. Because in us, there may be very much the same kind of pain. But we do not just allow the energy of suffering to overwhelm us because we are practitioner, we are not victim. We can generate energy of mindfulness, concentration, insight, and peace in order to recognize and embrace the pain in him, in her, and in us. So if you if you lead a Dharma discussion, you should uh, know how uh, to conduct uh, the Dharma discussion in such a way that uh, we learn and transform even if someone uh, um, uh, suffers and asks us to help in order to recognize and embrace uh, uh, his uh, suffering. Because uh, 
practicing as a sangha, we can profit from the collective energy of the sangha. And the same thing is can be used when you are in a lying position. You lie down on your bed. You are about to go to sleep, to, to, to sleep. And instead of thinking of this or, or that, you go back to your breathing. And you practice breathing in and breathing out. Joy while breathing, happy while uh, lying, lying down, or resting. Joy while breathing, happiness while resting. And you breathe like that. And if you concentrate on your in-breath and out-breath, and allow the uh, joy and happiness to be generated, and then you can go into your, your sleep uh, peacefully. And then later on you may say, joy is the breathing. <coughs> Happiness is the sitting. He, he tha, he la tha. Joy while breathing, happiness while sitting. Joy is the breath, breathing, happiness is the sitting. They are the same thing. Joy does not exist outside of the breathing. The breathing is joy itself because the quality of breathing is so good. It's mindful breathing. The kind of breathing that can bring harmony, calm, and joy. So the joy is the breathing. We are not using the breathing in order to bring joy. Joy becomes the breathing. The breathing becomes joy. is uh, means the practice the practice of meditation tutap mm. 
That is the training, the practice. Bhavana means uh, the cultivation, the cultivation. Something is not there, but you, you, you produce. It's like a, a growing flowers, growing wheat, growing corn, producing. You make it into uh, something existing. Bhava means being, being there. Bhavana means producing, make it into something existing. And that something is joy and peace and uh, liberation. In English, we, we, we use the word practice. If we have a practice, if we have a good practice, if we have a solid practice, and then we should not be afraid of anything. Because the practice helps us to generate joy and happiness and peace and harmony and reconciliation. The practice helps us to handle pain, suffering, separation, uh, misunderstanding. So if we have a practice, a good practice, there is no reason why you have to be afraid. And everyone should, uh, should learn, should, uh, should um, be able to improve his or her practice. And that is uh, our Dharma body. Your practice is your Dharma body. One day, the Buddha visited uh, one disciple who was uh, dying. His name is uh, Vakali. And uh, the Buddha tried to help him to die peacefully. And he said, Vakali, do you regret anything? He said, no. I don't regret anything except one thing. What, what is that? Because I, I do not have a chance to go and visit you and look at you and see you, even a Dhamma talk. <laughs> Vakali was very attached to the Buddha. We don't know whether he is a, he was a gay person or not. <laughs> but he was very attached to the Buddha. <laughs> and because he, uh, he was too attached to the Buddha, that is why he was not allowed to be attendant of Buddha after some time. Because a little bit too much attachment. <laughs> Vakali is his name. 
And once he tried to commit suicide because the Buddha did not allow him to be attendant. Because he saw that there is a little bit too much attachment. But finally, the Buddha was able to help him. And he practiced well as a monk. And when he was dying, the Buddha went to visit him and help him to die peacefully. And he asked him, Vakali, do you still regret something? He said, no, I don't regret anything I have. I am very satisfied with the life of a monk. I only regret that I will not have... uh, uh, I'm so sick I cannot go to the Greek Dakota mountain and sit in front of you and look at you and admire your beauty and listen to your Dhamma, dhamma talk. <laughs> the Buddha said that, Vakali, this physical body of mind is not important. It is to be disintegrated one day. It is my Dharma body that is important. And my Dharma body you have in you already. And that is what uh, the Buddha said. Because we have, we, all of us have our physical body that will be disintegrated. But we still have our Dharma body, our practice. Based on the teaching. So the Buddha was using the word Dharma body. It is the Dharma, my Dharma body which is important and my Dharma body will continue for a long time in you and in many other people. So every one of us has a physical body but we do have a Dharma body, our practice. And if our body, our Dharma body is solid, is good, we don't have to be afraid of anything. Because with that, with that Dharma body, we can sort out, we can resolve many, many difficulties. And that is why every one of us should, should nourish our Dharma body so that it becomes solid, strong enough. Everyone should have a, a spiritual dimension in his life. With a spiritual dimension, we have a good practice so that we can deal with difficulties in our life. And that is the practice. And you can get the practice from your teacher, from your Sangha. You come to the Sangha in order to, for your Dharma body to be born. Maybe the first Dharma talk you attended was the moment when your Dharma body was born. And if you continue to learn and to practice, your Dharma body continues to grow. And now your Dharma body is solid enough and you can be very well on your own and you can also help other people. So cultivating your Dharma body, your practice, your bhavana. Everyone, including politicians, should uh, should have... uh, a spiritual dimension in his or her life. 
Otherwise, how could a person deal with the difficulties they encounter? And that is uh, bhavana, our practice, our dharma body. And if our dharma body is not solid enough, we have to try to have it grow into a solid dharma body. And how? Apply what we have learned into our daily life. When we walk, we walk in such a way that you can produce joy and happiness and peace. When we look, we look in such a way that compassion is possible in the way we look. Compassion and understanding is possible while we work with someone. And by doing so, our Dharma body grows. And we can help each other to nourish our, uh, the Dharma body in us. The Dharma should be the living Dharma. And when you breathe in, and if your in-breath has mindfulness, concentration, insight, and if your in-breath can produce joy, that is a living Dharma. You do not say anything. And yet, that is the Dharma. You are giving a Dharma talk without any words. Because you are breathing in properly, generating peace and joy and concentration. So the living Dharma is different from the spoken Dharma. It's different from the written Dharma. The written Dharma, the spoken Dharma, are to help us to generate the living Dharma. And we should live our daily life in such a way that the living Dharma always inhabits us every moment. Brushing our teeth, uh, taking a shower, uh, cooking our breakfast. We do these things in such a way that uh, the, dham, the living Dharma is with us all the time. Mindfulness, concentration, insight, joy, peace, happiness, and the capacity to handle pain. We need a living Dharma. And there are ways in order to make the living Dharma uh, present with us uh, in our daily life. If uh, you belong to the Christian tradition, you may liken the Dharma body with uh, the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit uh, inhabits you, uh, there is compassion, there is understanding, there is healing. So the Dharma body should be, should be kept alive uh, in our daily life. And with the practice that have been uh, given you by your teacher, uh, your sangha, by the Buddha.
And then when you come together as a group, as a community, that community is called Sangha. A Sangha is a group of people made up individuals who have, uh, who have uh, the living Dharma in them. Otherwise, it's not a true Sangha. It's true Sangha. Sangha just means community. Therefore, a political party is also a Sangha. A family is also a Sangha. A corporation can be a Sangha. But Sangha in this meaning means there is a harmony. There is the presence of the practice of mindfulness, concentration inside brotherhood, sisterhood. And uh, any kind of community uh, that has uh, mindfulness, concentration and insight, that has brotherhood, that has uh, joy in it is uh, a Sangha. Even they are Buddhist or not Buddhist. So Sangha is a kind of body. You have a physical body. You have a Dharma body. But also you have a Sangha body. You belong to a community of practice. And the Sangha is your body. What happened to the Sangha happens to you. And every good practitioner should have a Sangha body. With a Sangha body, you can keep your practice solid and long. You will not lose your practice. And the Sangha body is in yourself. When I left uh, my country in 1966, I tried to bring my Sangha with me in my heart. My intention is to go to the West for three months in order to speak out and call for peace and reconciliation in Vietnam. Because in Vietnam it was forbidden to talk about reconciliation and peace because both warring parties wanted to fight to the end. So there's no room for, for peace and for reconciliation. And that's why you have to go out of the country in order to be able to say, we do not want this war. We want this war to be ended. We want peace negotiation. Uh, these things were not allowed to, to be said in 1965. And my intention is to go we get an invitation from Cornell University 
in Ithaca, New York, to give a series of lectures. And after that, uh, the Fellowship of Reconciliation uh, helped uh, organize a speaking tour uh, in the United States of America so that they can voice the concern of Vietnamese people. We do not want this war. We want the war to stop. We don't want the, the hostilities to continue. And it, uh, it was, it, it was uh, possible to say that in America. Even many people did not like it. Even the government did not like it. I think if uh, the embassy, the American embassy in, uh, in Saigon, if they knew that uh, I was going to America to call for a cessation of the war, they would not uh, have given me the visa. So I presented to them the uh, invitation letter from Cornell University. And after having spoken out, I was uh, not allowed to go home and had to to spend 40, 40 years in exile outside of the country. You have to pay a certain price for what you do. Thirty-nine, more than thirty-nine years before I allow, I was allowed to to go back to Vietnam for the first time. And you know that Sangha is like a beehive. Everyone is working together in harmony. And when I learned that I could not go home, it's so difficult because all my Sangha was there. My Sangha was young, dynamic. And there was uh, an attempt to work for peace in the Sangha, which is very difficult. We were taking care of uh, a new uh, Buddhist university, Van Hain University. Van Hain is the name of uh, a, a well-known monk, uh, Vietnamese monk in the uh, Lee Dynasty. We had the School of Youth for Social Service, training hundreds of social workers to help uh, in the countryside. We had so many uh, projects, programs, and suddenly I found myself uh, cut off from the Sangha. And usually when a bee is cut off from the beehive, it will dry out and die. So I try not to, to be like that. When you are a cell evicted from the body, the cell will die. I, I was aware of that. So my practice is um, to bring my Sangha in my heart. And as soon as I learned that it was impossible for, to, meet, for go, to, to go home, I tried right away to look around, to find, to, to identify elements of a new Sangha. Because uh, I know that I cannot survive without the Sangha. There were no Buddhist uh, um, 
practitioners with me at that time. And uh, I contacted uh, people in the academic communities, professors, students, uh, Protestant ministers, Catholic priests, and uh, while in the process of uh, working for peace, uh, uh, we try to, uh, to, to set up uh, some kind of relationship. And we practice uh, sitting meditation in, uh, from time to time in uh, the Quaker Center in Paris and so on. Uh, then the United States of America were at war, uh, in, uh, war with Vietnam, so it's not appropriate me, for me to ask for political asylum there. So I tried to go to France and set up a community of practice, beginning with the young people who came and, and helped us uh, in the work of, uh, of uh, calling for peace. So we organize a sitting meditation, walking meditation in our office, and so on. And that's how the, the first book of meditation offered to the West was written, The Miracle of Mindfulness, a manual for the practice of meditation for activists, peace activists. It was first... Uh, 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 published by the Fellowship of Reconciliation, a peace organization in New York. It was also published by Pax Christie in London with the title uh, Be Still and Know. And I was uh, trying to set up a, a Sangha in order to take refuge in. <coughs> Because I don't want to die, to dry, dry up like a, a bee uh, out of behind uh, a cell evicted from the body, the community of cells. So every practitioner, in order to be able to, to continue the practice, maintain the practice, to consolidify the practice, should try to build a Sangha. If there is no Sangha close by, you have to belong to a Sangha. You have to begin building a Sangha. That is why in the many retreats we offer a little bit everywhere in Europe, America, and Asia, at the last day of the retreat, there is a meeting about Sangha building. So that when uh, we go home, mm-hmm. we know what to do in order to set up a group of practitioners uh, in our neighborhood in order to continue the practice. Sangha building. Sangha building is very important. A Sangha is a group of people uh, where everyone knows how to breathe how to walk, how to sit, how to generate mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And when a Sangha 
He is capable of generating the energy of uh, mindfulness, uh, uh, um, concentration, and insight. The uh, the the energy of brotherhood and sisterhood, the energy of joy and happiness. It is a true sangha. A true sangha. A sangha body is always inhabited by the true Dharma. That is why when you look at a sangha, when you look into a sangha, you can recognize whether that is a true sangha or not a true sangha. A true sangha is a sangha that has the living Dharma in it. There is no struggle for power, there is no division. Everyone knows the practice, everyone knows how to generate uh, mindfulness, concentration, insight, peace and joy. So if you have a Sangha like that, it is a jewel, one of the three jewels. And the Sangha jewel carries within herself the Dharma jewel, because a true Sangha has always the true Dharma inside, the living Dharma, I mean. The living Dharma makes the Sangha into a, a jewel. And the Sangha as a jewel will be the refuge of many people. We, the one who set up the Sangha, who built the Sangha, can take refuge in that Sangha. And many other people can come and take refuge in the Sangha. Taking refuge in the Sangha is a practice, not a, a confession of faith in the declaration of faith. I take refuge in the Sangha is not a declaration of faith. It means you really contribute to the work of Sangha building. Uh, you practice in order to generate the living Dharma and you help other people in the Sangha to practice in order to generate the living Dharma, and you have the living Sangha, the true Sangha, the, the living Sangha. And when a Sangha has the living Dharma in it, and then the living Buddha also is in it. Because a Buddha is someone inhabited by the living Dharma. So if uh, the Dharma, the real Dharma is there, the, the real Buddha is also there. The real, the real Buddha, not the false Buddha. A Buddha statue is not a Buddha. A Buddha is the incarnation of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. 
And if uh, the Sangha has mindfulness, concentration, and insight in her, the Buddha is in the Sangha. So the safest place to find the Buddha is in the Sangha. You cannot take the Buddha out of the Sangha. And you cannot take the Sangha out of the Buddha. And that is why uh, many years ago, Thay has said that uh, you might recognize the next Buddha in the form of a Sangha. Because if a Sangha is a real Sangha, and then the Buddha is there. If the Buddha is not in the Sangha, the Sangha is not a real Sangha. And this morning, the monastic chanted uh, the four recollections in Vietnamese. The first recollection is the Buddha. The second is the Dharma. The third is the Sangha. And the fourth is the mindfulness training. The fourth mindfulness training is also a body. We have the body, Buddha, the, ba- the Buddha body. That is uh, Buddha Kaya. This is a Dharma Kaya. This is Sangha Kaya. And then we have uh, the Yoi Thang with another body that we have. It's the Shila Sangha Kaya. So every one of us has four bodies. We have the Buddha body in us. We have the Dharma body in us. We have the Sangha body in us, and we have the Shila Dharma, Shila Kaya in us. Because every practitioner lives according to the Vinaya, to the mindfulness trainings. We have received the five mindfulness trainings, and we live according to the trainings. We have a Shila body. We have a body of mindfulness training. And if uh, your Shila body is broken, you cannot be, your practice is not solid, you are not a happy person. So your Shila body uh, should be whole. And when we have received five mindfulness trainings, we try our best in order to live accordingly in order for joy and happiness and uh, safety, security and love to be possible. And we should not try to, uh, to we should not allow the, the precepts, the trainings to be broken. And that is why every fortnight we have to come together and recite together the trainings. 
whether that is uh, five tenings, uh, fourteen tenings, uh, or, or ten tenings. The novice monks and nuns, they have uh, ten uh, precepts. So that four kind of bodies that everyone has as a practitioner, the Buddha body is in you, the Dharma body is in you, the Sangha body is in you, and the Shila body, the body of the, the precepts, the precepts body are in you. And we practice in such a way that these four, these four, these four bodies can grow every day. Of course, uh, outside of these four bodies, we have the physical body. But uh, after the disintegration of this body, well, the, the other bodies continue. And the physical body will be renewed in one way or another. that my my physical body is not going to last very long but I know that my Dharma body is strong enough to continue sitting here I can see my Dharma body everywhere I see myself in China, in Vietnam, in Indonesia. Because my practice has gone very far. And thanks to friends, uh, sanghas have been set up everywhere. In uh, the United uh, Kingdom, there are 88 Sangha. In Germany, very much the same. In America, maybe 600 or 700 Sanghas. And everywhere, my friends, my colleagues, my disciples are practicing walking mindfully breathing mindfully, smiling, generating joy and peace. So my, my Dharma body is going to last very long. 
It's like the Dharma body of the Buddha. The Buddha is still there, available. If you want to get in touch with the Buddha, it's easy. Just uh, breathing in and out a few times, and you can touch the Buddha in the here and the now. We have learned that uh, the Sangha body carries with herself the Buddha body. So when you touch your Sangha, deeply you touch the Buddha in your Sangha. And you are a cell of the Sangha, of your Sangha body, right? Every one of us is a cell of the Sangha body. And we know that the Sangha body carries within herself the Buddha body. So if the, the Sangha is a true Sangha, the, the Buddha is in the Sangha. And while you are a cell of the Sangha body, you are at the same time a cell of the Buddha body. It's wonderful to be a cell in the, bu- the body of the Buddha. And actually you are one. Every one of us is one cell in the Buddha body. Why do you have to go and look for the Buddha elsewhere? You are already one cell in the Buddha body. Rejoice. You cannot take the Buddha out of the Dharma. You cannot take the Dharma out of the Sangha in case the, da- the Sangha is a true Sangha. If our Sangha is a true Sangha, and then the true Dharma is there, and if the true Dharma is there, the true Buddha is also there. And you are a cell of the Sangha body, and that is why you are at the same time a cell of the Buddha body. That's the way we look. And you don't need to wait for Maitreya, the future Buddha. He is already there. And you are a cell of Maitreya, the Buddha of love. The next Buddha, according to Shakyamuni, is Mr. Love. Maitreya, Mr. Love. And you are a cell in the body of Mr. Love. (laughs) And the Buddha is already born as a Sangha because you are a Sangha builder. So Thay's 40 years of exile is not something negative. It can be something positive. Because of that exile, he was able to have an opportunity to build a Sangha in the West. And you are here as my Sangha. And I take refuge in my Sangha. We practice in order to improve the quality of our Sangha. We practice in order for the living Dharma in the Sangha become stronger, stronger. 
and we can be refuge for so many people to come and get the transformation and healing that uh, they need. Uh, and this mission uh, uh, has given us by the Buddha, you know what to do and what not to do. And practicing is also Sangha building. And the three jewels are our refuge. And taking refuge in the three jewels, we can have a lot of joy and happiness. That those of us who are teaching in uh, and helping uh, inmates of uh, prisons and our our sangha body is there. There are. There are those uh, who are about uh, to be uh, to receive a death uh, penalty executed and they are receiving the teaching and the practice. They would know what to use, uh, what, to, what to do with the days and the months that are left for them to live. So the Sangha can go very far. Shitigatba is one of uh, of us. Shitigatba is present in the most uh, desperate uh, um, spot, and Shitigatba is trying to help uh, the people who suffer deeply in their transformation and healing so that they can see that the body is, uh, is not everything. And if they have a Dharma body, a Sangha body, a precept body, and then they can continue beautifully into the future. This 21-day uh, retreat is one of the ways to celebrate the 30-year of Plum Village. Uh, 30 years of Sangha building. And we want to have a young Sangha capable to transform the world, to protect uh, Mother Earth. to reduce the suffering, to promote more, uh, more physical, mental health, to bring uh, the practice into school, into uh, corporations, into the army. And it is possible for us to bring the practice of mindfulness everywhere.
not as a religion, but uh, a practice that can bring relief. Because we know that a good practitioner is capable of relaxing his body, of reducing the amount of pain in her body. A good practitioner is capable of generating a feeling of joy, of happiness. A good practitioner is capable of handling a painful feeling, a painful emotion. A good practitioner is capable of using loving speech and deep listening in order to restore communication and bring about reconciliation. And we know that that practice can be offered to everyone in society. And that is uh, the mission, that is uh, the aspiration of uh, the Sangha. So with the birth of the Sangha, there is the birth of the Buddha. And uh, touching deeply the present moment, you can already touch the presence of Maitreya Buddha and his community. And you can see that you are, each of us, is a cell in the Sangha body. And each of us is a cell in the Buddha body. We don't have to go and look for it. And that is kind of vision that we should have. It's not so difficult, it's very logical. The Buddhist trinity is that. Sangha, Dharma, and Buddha, they inter-are. You cannot take one out of the two others. So today uh, we have the beautiful gift, uh, beautiful weather, and uh, we shall, uh, when we hear the bell, we will do walking meditation together to the Shengha Temple. Many of us have not seen Shengha. It's about one kilometer from the upper hamlet. We can walk there. And we shall walk in such a way that every step can generate joy and happiness and peace and brotherhood and healing. There will be uh, music, dance, picnic, and an exhibition of uh, Thai calligraphy. And we spend uh, this afternoon all three hundreds uh, in Chana Temple. So this is a celebration. There's nothing to do, just enjoy ourselves. <laughs>